Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to save you a little bit of money. My job, educate, teach, put into context. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me at Jim Kramer. What a run we've had. Almost too good to be true. Even as it fizzled today, Dow ultimately finished down 109 points, while the S&P dipped 0.37%, and the Nasdaq lost 0.68%. It started out looking an okay day, and then got ugly at the close. Strangely, though, perhaps because cash is paying so much, perhaps because the Fed does nothing but scare us constantly, there's still plenty of money on the sidelines that might come into the stock market. Why does it matter? Because if we finally get the long-awaited sell-off, then a lot of people feel will happen, including me. After five straight weeks of gains, it would make a lot of sense. It probably won't be all that devastating because I believe people are beginning to sense that stocks can give you a better return than short-term bonds, even if they are a lot riskier. So the next decline, and I expect that will happen, will be a bullish decline. Yes, a buying opportunity. Hey, is it too complacent to say buy the dip? You've heard that for years. You know what? I actually don't think so. See, the market's currently overbought, meaning there's been too much concentrated buying, and we've come up a little far, a little too fast, okay? That's why we've been letting some stock go for the charitable trust. And trust, and you would see so, what so, we're so, doing so, so, if, you, so. if you just became a member of the CBC Investing Club. So I'm certainly not pounding the table right now, not right here. Why not wait for a pullback at this point? I mean, isn't that the right move? We're not putting any money back into this market unless we get severe price breaks for the stocks of companies we like or for the market as a whole. But I know many people are itching to get into the market at all costs. I think that's wrong. I think it's just a mistake to be that desperate. To them, all I can say is at this point, after the runs we've seen, especially in technology, I think it's going to be worth your while to wait for a price break before you pull the trigger. There are enough high-quality stocks that can still go down big in a benign environment like the health insurers this week, more on that later, the semiconductors last week. So I am sure you're going to get your chance to buy something good on weakness. So why not wait? Why not be patient? That, the people who are patient and let it come down are the ones who are going to make the most money here. Will that opportunity come in one of my favorite areas? Aerospace? 
We're closed here on Monday for Juneteenth, now a federal holiday. But in France, they're holding the annual Paris Air Show, where aerospace companies from across the world tell us how they're doing. So we'll have to pay close attention to Raytheon Technologies. This one includes the old Raytheon and the aerospace business of the old United Technologies. I bet it's doing very well thanks to the endless demand from worldwide travel post-pandemic. You know, the airlines worldwide almost all need new planes. And, well, there you go. I think we can get the same exact thing the next day from General Electric because of their aerospace business also on display at the Paris Air Show. That stock has been a tremendous form. You know, the, do you know that she's been the seventh best performer in the S&P 500 so far, so far this year? As CEO Larry Culp has finally really turned things around. No one denies that anymore. Giant backlog here. Pretty incredible. After the close Tuesday, we're going to hear from what I consider to be one of the most exciting situations in the entire market. And that's FedEx. I bet Raj Subramanian, He's the relatively new CEO. We'll talk about the cost takeout at the same time as business getting a tad better because there's been a nice increase in e-commerce over the past few months in this country. Can he raise numbers? Well, that may be a stretch, but he's doing an amazing job. It's the cost side that it will be most evident from. Oh, and be sure to watch Mad Money as we're going to be coming to you from the, direct from the Motor City, where we'll be spending the day with Jim Farley, the explosive I think terrific CEO of Ford. I like the stock very much, but it has been straight up ever since Farley announced that team up with, yes, Elon Musk for Tesla charging stations. I can't wait to get into the Ford race with Farley uh, as he is a proven winner in business and on the racetrack. I might actually do some driving. That could shock everyone, especially my wife. On Wednesday, we also got an analyst meeting that could be very problematic. And that's Dollar Tree, which recently reported one of the worst quarters of the year. Now, maybe they can straighten people out and give us a value proposition to explain why the stock should be bought and not sold. This was the premier dollar store chain for years. I believe it can make a comeback, but I'm not going to feel confident until I hear a real plan of action, a real one this time, that can make this thing start going back up. And I know we definitely don't have it yet. I know we just had the Fed meeting and went through all that rigmarole, but Jay Powell, has now got to spend two days being grilled on the Hill, first by the House and then by the Senate about the economy. I hope he's asked about how to bring down the cost of housing, as that's responsible for most of the inflation that we've got right now. And there's got to be a better plan than destroying the entire economy just to get cheaper rent. More on that near the end of the show. Hey, speaking of the housing shortage, how much are the home builders making? Let's listen to what KB Homes says when it reports Wednesday at the close. Maybe KB has some solutions for how prices for homes can come down. Lenar shocked us with a tremendous number earlier this week, and I bet KB actually does the same. Lots of people got excited about this week's IPO of Kava, the Mediterranean-themed restaurant chain. It started off with a real bang, a double from where the deal was priced on just the first day of trading. That's going to get a lot of people thinking about coming public. So on Thursday, when we hear from Darden, parent of Olive Garden, will it make us feel similarly good about its business? I think it might. The stock's been very strong. People are spending an inordinate amount of their money dining out still. Not long ago, we flagged a company called Samsara, which makes software to help manage physical assets. I predicted that they would say good things at their upcoming analyst meeting. Well, bingo, here's the analyst meeting. Let's see if they tell a good story. I believe we'll also be excited by what we hear from MongoDB. That's another high-quality enterprise software company. It's one that's putting up some of the best numbers in the entire sector. MongoDB is a popular developer data platform. Remember, this is enterprise software, not the kind of software you and I buy, that allows you to build applications at scale. I know it's loved by coders worldwide, although the 100-point gain in less than three weeks might steal some of the thunder from that analyst meeting. 
Next, Elliott Management, one of some of the smartest guys in the investing business, recently took a big position in NRG. That's the huge utility, and it believes that utility is underperforming. Do you know that this is the second time around for Elliott? Second time they've gotten involved with this one. It helped bring about some really positive changes half a dozen years ago. But now the firm's unhappy. They think things have lapsed back into uh, lassitude, negativity. I wonder if NRG can offer defense to its critics when it holds that investor meeting. Maybe. I don't know. I think Elliott's once changed. I don't blame him. Finally, on Friday, CarMax reports. And it wouldn't surprise me if they say that used car prices have come down substantially. They were a big part of the problem when we saw the CPI this week. I expect used car sales to begin a long decline down. But you know what? That's great for CarMax. They make more money when that happens. Could be an interesting buy. And we have one more analyst meeting that I think is going to be terrific has been most of the time. There were two times when they didn't guide up, but Dexcom will be talking. They make the best diabetes monitoring systems. I think that business is incredibly good. Remember, I like the medical device business all across the board. I think they raise numbers. Bottom line, when I say the market gives you chances to get in, I'm reminded of how there are violent moves constantly happening, and that's when you act. Like the T-Mobile one we had now, Caterpillar down to 206, or this week, Humana and United Health. And I'll have a ton to say about them later in the show. The pattern's simple. Emotional horror show followed by rational buying, which remains a very good setup indeed. Tamar in Oregon. Tamar. Hey, wow. Hello? It's so, uh, such Tamar? an honor to be talking to the voice of intelligence on Wall Street. Tamar? Yes. Hmm. I can't yes. hear Tamar. Tamar, speak up a little and I got you. Go ahead. Uh, hello, it's such an honor to be talking to the voice of intelligence on Wall Street. Oh, you're very kind. You're very kind. I'm sure trying. Some of these weeks are pretty hard. What's going on? Well, I just wanted to get your take on uh, Campbell Soup Company uh, being around a 52-week low like it is now. Um, and well, let's have a talk about this. Mark Klaus, yeah. Mark Klaus did a terrific job on the snack side. But on the meal side, it was not good. And he so much has said so on air. I think that they were going to start annualizing some decent comparisons, as we call it. The stock yields three. Mark's terrific. If you can get that stock at, let's say, $45, $44 and willing to put it away, I think it'll fix the mules business and you'll feel very good about the situation. The stock is down 18%. That's often an opportunity for such a high-quality name. Rajesh in Connecticut. Rajesh. Hi, Jim. Rajesh uh, from Connecticut. And thank you. Thank you again uh, for all your advice. Really happy uh, to be You're, you're yeah. very kind. You know, very kind callers. Go ahead. How can I help? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a long-time listener, and I have learned a lot from your show. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for that. And I have an industrial sector stock today, which is having a 22P, and it has a good, impressive buyback and dividend yield uh, for the last couple of decades. And what's your opinion about uh, TSE or tractor supply? Is it right time to add some more? You know, I was just reading, I just read a, a very interesting, I, I read a very interesting Q&A, with, uh, with Hal Lawton, who's the CEO, who's terrific. And I came away thinking that the long-term trend is very clear. People are still moving to the sub, to the suburbs and the country. They're fixing the place up. It is really a play on feeds on feed. And they sell more feed than anybody. I like tractor supply down here, way down below its 52-week high. I, it is a wild trader. But I think tractor supply is very, very good. David in Massachusetts. David. Mr. Kramer, thanks for your time. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, I appreciate your call, David. My question is about Bank of America. 
I watch sure. the network all the time. I see Mr. Monahan. I see Mike Mayo on it a lot. They love Bank America. But one thing that always gets me, they never talk about Merrill Lynch. It's like they forgot about it. The bull's hiding. No advertising. It's never mentioned. I guess uh, you know what? I agree with you. I, I, and I want to bring that up with Brian because I grew up in an era where that is the absolute best Best, highest quality name. The problem is the banks are not being bought by anyone. A 3% yield, not enough. People worry about bank examiners, worry about credit, worry about the Fed, which means that if they mention it or not, Bank of America is going to stay cheap. And I don't want something to stay cheap. Of course, I want a stock that goes higher. And right now, it's a very tough stock, though. Now, I know people are itching to do some buying. I absolutely get that. But I say no. I want you to wait for your favorites to come in and then pull the trigger, but not before then. Maybe we miss a few points. I'm willing to accept that. Mad Money tonight. Domino's is looking fresh after a pair of positive analyst notes that help the stock catch fire. Analysts are moving stocks again. So where do I come down on the story? I'll give you my take. Then the market has been roaring this week, but I don't want you to get complacent about it. You never know when the next shoe is going to drop, and I think it could be relatively soon. And that's why tonight, and remember, I've been a big bull, right? So that's why we play MI Diversified, to see if the portfolios of America can withstand whatever the market throws at them. And then, Really major development I alluded to in the healthcare space that I think is too big for us to ignore. I'll reveal what it is and what you should do about the selling pressure. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What in the world just happened to Domino's Pizza this week that sent us badly flagging stocks soaring from $298 to $331, including a 6.5% gain yesterday alone? 
Other than the Red Hot Cava IPO giving a boost to the restaurant cohort, there's not much going on here except for a pair of bullish analyst notes. That's right. Analysts are being influenced this stock. And it's pretty amazing. They were published on Tuesday and Wednesday, one from Piper, Sandler, and the other from Stiefel, and they moved the stock. Piper initiated coverage on Domino's with an overweight rating and a $349 price target, and then Stiefel upgraded from hold to buy, raising their price target to $350. Those two calls truly resonated with investors in a fashion that we haven't seen on Wall Street in ages. That, again, is part and parcel of this bull market attitude I keep telling you about. Now, this move this week makes, marks a huge turn for the stock of Domino's. As of last month, the pizza stock had plummeted to its lowest level since mid-March 2020, right when the pandemic was beginning. At its late May lows, Domino's had almost been cut in half. You know what I mean? Uh, at, from, uh, from 2021. These guys have been struggling with their post-COVID hangover, along with higher commodity costs and competitors that have increasingly caught up with them on the digital front. This thing is so strong, I can't even cut it in half. So what exactly did these analysts say that could breathe new life into dominoes after a year and a half of stock weakness? Well, it turns out there was company weakness, too. So let's start with the initiation from Piper Sandler. That's analyst Brian Mullen, published Tuesday night after the close. This was part of a broader launch of coverage for what's known as the limited services restaurant sector. From 2009 till 2019, Mullen noted the limited service space grew at a much better clip than the full service space, accounting for nearly two-thirds of the restaurant industry's this was where the action was. Mullen then breaks down the limited service restaurant into two subgroups, franchisers and owner operators, pointing out that Wall Street tends to favor the franchisers more when the economy goes down. But right now, most of their stocks are on the more expensive side. That's why he wants to get selective. And he only recommended Domino's and Wendy's. When it comes to Domino's, he says he's been worried about competition from third-party delivery plays like DoorDash or Uber Eats. Because for years, Domino's had its own competitive edge from its terrific digital platform and its own driver network. DoorDash can instantly make a mom-and-pop pizzeria competitive with Domino's or Papa John's or pizza, at least in terms of delivery. But this analyst at Piper has changed his mind because Domino's has changed itself. In other words, he's really reacting to maybe a better company. That's because these delivery worries are now very much baked into the stock, right in there. But beyond that, Domino's keeps taking market share within the pizza category. So clearly, it's not that bad. His overall thesis, the worries that have kept Domino's down are really worries about the pizza category as a whole, where Domino's remains one of the strongest operators. And while there might be a couple more tough quarters left, this chain's going to be just fine. They're keeping share even without joining that third-party delivery service, which takes a huge bite out of their profits. <laughs> Let's see how big a bite. Oh. Wow! Thank you. Of course, Piper Sandler had a pretty bearish outlook for the next couple of quarters. Talking about negative same source, never talk with your mouth full, Mom. Thank you. That was the dimension side. But in the end, the argument is that the stock simply performed too poorly versus its peers. It's too cheap to ignore. It's going down and down and down. So it likes it. If anything goes right, Mullen believes Domino's can roar higher. And sure enough, that's what happened a day later. But it went higher, not because things went right. It went higher because another analyst decided they like it. See, on Wednesday night, Chris O'Cole, an analyst at Stiefel, upgraded Domino's from hold to buy. One, two, making an even more compelling argument. Get this. O'Cole goes through the same negatives. The company had a couple rough quarters, but points out that the stock's gotten much cheaper as it went down. Yay. After spending some time with management, by the way, which I like. He feels pretty confident about the future. Now, listen to this. Quote, 
Over the next 12 months, the company will stabilize delivery sales and continue growing carryout sales to new record levels, end quote. Further, he argues, better sales performance, lower commodity costs, and higher labor productivity should boost franchisee profitability, sparking greater unit growth, end quote. I like this. As with the Piper Sandler analyst, Colton doesn't think the current quarter will go particularly well. So in other words, don't expect to blow out this one. But he expects lower costs can provide support for earnings starting in the back half of the year. I like this. I think the core thesis is solid. I especially like that Stiefel noted because it introduced some new information. For example, this week, Domino's hosted its domestic franchisees and their key operators at its headquarters, which may be the first time this whole group has gathered since the company launched a new pizza recipe back in 2010 during the era of Patty Doyle. That doesn't make sense. They should be getting together far more often. By the way, that is exactly, you know, 2010 is when we started recommending this stock. It was at 10 bucks and change. And once they changed the recipe, it gave you a magnificent decade-plus-long rally to more than $500 in 2021, one of our best picks since the show began. The purpose of the latest franchisee gathering was to educate them on systems that improve service times and generally make restaurants more efficient. These are the things that may have been deprioritized by franchisees during the pandemic, when they were simply focused on making sure they could fully staff their stores and answer the phone every time it rang, get it right. But O'Cole also speculated that Domino's may have held this gathering to communicate the importance of service, especially in advance of a new loyalty program relaunch. This is another point that was news to us. This fall, Domino's is rolling out a new app, along with other improvements for its piece of the pie loyalty program. Now, when I was pounding the table with Domino's back in the 2010 uh, through its pandemic, the pandemic, I always said that they had the best technology, and that was true then. But it's hard to make that case anymore, right? These days, everybody's got access to a great digital setup, even if they have to pay a big cut to DoorDash if they want the food to only deliver. But if Domino's can get back into a leadership position with its digital ordering platform, which is where 80% of orders come from, sales should improve substantially. Maybe they can pull it off. At the same time, Stiefel points out lower commodity costs will boost profits for the franchisees, which in turn will make them want to open new locations. And that's the lifeblood of a franchise model. We got some good data on takeout sales. They now account for 40% of the business because they can fully staff the stores again. A takeout order, including one that starts from the digital ordering platform, is inherently more profitable than the delivery order. So that's a real positive. I think this pair of positives, a domino notes, especially the upgrade from Stiefel yesterday, has shaken investors out of the malaise toward this name and made them take a fresh look at the stock, which many of them had given up on a year ago after some poor performance. Frankly, you know what? I'm feeling more positive on Domino's than I have in a very long time. While the stock's already roared this week, it's still relatively inexpensive. It's traded just 22 times uh, next year's earnings estimates. Look, historically, that's been a very good price for Domino's, which historically had a premium multiple, uh, even if it hasn't deserved it. But I got to tell you, if they can get their inconsistent performance to be consistent, then 22 times earnings is a great price to pay. Now that things are improving, it might be worth it. So the bottom line, while the next earnings report likely won't be anything special, in other words, don't buy it for the next quarter, after these two terrific notes, I'm feeling the domino stock must be bottoming, right? Isn't that what's really going on? So I'm giving you my blessing to pick up a box right here and the stock, too. Leave some room to buy more if it gets hit into the next earnings report, though, because it probably will not be that good a quarter. Stock will go down a bit and then go buy and eat the rest. Their money will be back every night. Coming up, spread the wealth and protect yourself. 
Find out if your portfolio has what it takes to make it in any market. MI Diversify is next. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. Together with Delta, we're putting 5G into the hands of ground staff so they can better assist on-the-go travelers with real-time information. From the Delta Sky Club to the Jet Bridge, this is elevating customer experience. This is Delta with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. We've seen a dramatic move higher in the markets over the past few weeks. And while it's easy for investors to take a victory lap right now, the better move is to check in on your holdings so you can make sure you're prepared for whatever might come next, as Jeff Marks and I do literally every morning for the Investing Club. And that's why we're playing Am I Diversified? This is where you call me, you tell me your top five holdings. I'll tell you if your portfolio is diversified enough, or maybe you're just too concentrated. Let's start with KC in Illinois. KC, your first quarter. What do you have for me? Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call, and thanks for your Awesome market wisdom. Ah, oh, thank you, buddy. I, I have. I'd like to know if my investment portfolio is diversified with these stocks: Abbott Labs, BHP, J.P. Morgan, Raytheon Technologies, and Cisco Foods. Okay. All right, very interesting here. Um, I love the mineral sector, if only just because that stock happens to be particularly cheap. Uh, food services, it's an interesting business, inconsistent right now, but I do like the, uh, I, I, the new management there. It's great. Actually, not that new anymore. Raytheon Technologies has an analyst meeting on Monday. We'll certainly know more about how they're doing. That's the old United Technologies with Raytheon. Abbott is consistently good, but not great enough to track buyers, and J.P. Morgan is one of the best banks. So we have bank, we have a drug, we have a mineral, we have food service, and we have uh, defense aerospace. And that's exactly the kind of uh, portfolio I like to see. And by the way, some real nice dividends here, too. So it's nice growth, nice dividends. All right. Next is uh, Alex in New Jersey. Alex, what do you have? Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking the time. I got a five here for you. If one of them doesn't work, I'd like to slip Apple in there for Ken. Okay. It's uh, Alphabet, NVIDIA, Meta, Amazon, and Tesla. Pretty tech heavy. Wow. Yeah. I mean, now, look, we have uh, these a lot of these stocks for um, our port, our travel trust portfolio for Investing Club. But remember, we have a big 32, 33 uh, stock portfolio. This is only these five. It's too concentrated. We're going to keep Tesla in because make that auto, not tech. We will keep Amazon in because I think they're going to have um, we think that they're going to have a decent quarter. Uh, Meta, we think, is good. You know, NVIDIA's own uh, own, don't trade. I know you want to substitute Apple, but we're going to have to put some other stuff in here. I mean, really, too. We're going to have to add, uh, we're going to put an Eli Lilly in, maybe instead of an Alphabet, okay? And then let's put in a Morgan Stanley instead of a Meta. And then we've got more of a balance, and, and we'll get a little dividend protection from Morgan Stanley. This is way too tech-heavy, and I think if tech takes a hit, 
you'll take a hit. And Alex, my job is to protect you from that. So you've got to make those changes. Let's go to, and that's, look, I could have been much more forceful at that, but I know he's got a lot of stocks that we have in the Chapel Trust, but that's way too concentrated. And that portfolio will get hit if things go bad here. Let's go to George in Pennsylvania. George. Hi, Jim. This is George in Lewisburg. Oh, uh, my five go buck are, ne- Yeah, I'm a bison. Oh, true. So my wife's on the board. Go ahead. Uh, yep, and your your uh, niece, uh, your, your daughter, your daughter just had her fifth anniversary last week, and I had my fiftieth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Okay. Next year, next year, energy, Home Depot, McDonald's, Microsoft, and Alliance Bernstein. Ooh, interesting portfolio. Interesting. I like the Home Depot analyst meeting. The stock's holding in fine. Nice yield at a uh, Bernstein. Another nice yield with Nextera and some good growth. Microsoft, a much-loved stock, but is, I think, doing well. And I know it's expensive, but it's having, I think, this is the run of the table for them with AI. And McDonald's, I think the stock's going north of 300. We got restaurant, we got tech, fin, retail, utility. That's perfect. And congratulations on your 50th from Bucknell in beautiful Lewisburg, PA. Let's go to Mandy in Maryland. Mandy. Hi, Jim. Booyah. Thank Booyah. you for taking my call. I love your show. I oh, watch you every morning and evening. Oh, you're terrific. Thank you. Thank you. We do our best. Thank you. Here are my picks. D-R-M-R-I-O D-C-I-N-E-E-V-I-C-I. Okay, you. Vici. You're welcome, Vici. I came, I saw, I conquered. Okay, Rio Tinto, excellent mineral stock. Salesforce, Mark Benioff, off the grid after weeks and weeks of working. But what a great quarter they had. That's his uh, enterprise software. Next turn, well, a lot of people like the next turn. Well, it is a good utility. I, I agree with that. Now, Crown Castle, that's a, look, Crown Castle is a antenna play, okay, and for cell phone, cell phone tower, not a good business right now. Vici, excellent property, real estate investment trust, uh, but there's, it, we're playing MI Diversified right now, and I'm going to say that works for yield, and is, it's, look, it's a tower play. It's different from a casino play, which is different from a mineral play, which is different from a general, from utility, and different from enterprise software. So I'm fine with the portfolio. I don't care. I do like, if you're going to be in that business, you should be in American Tower, not in Crown Castle. All right, lastly, let's go to Joseph in Washington. Joseph. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Young investor and club member here. I haven't Fantastic. watched you since March of 2020 when I began right. my investing journey. Just wanted to say thanks for all that I've learned. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you. My top five stocks are SoFi Technologies, NVIDIA, Apple, Waste Management, and Duke Energy. Am I diversified? Ooh. Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words. I'm glad I got you started and we're doing well here. Uh, SoFi got downgraded by a tough, tough couple of firms. But that's Anthony Noto. We interviewed stock. When this is a financial service company. It was at four bucks. We looked at him in Santa Barbara and in the eye and we said, are you going to do well or not? Caught a double. So that's terrific. And I want to stick with that fintech. Uh, waste management stuck in 160 right now. But I do think they're, uh, it's a great diversified business. Uh, and it's really more levered, to believe it or not, to the development of housing projects, because that's where uh, the most trash is that they deliver from. Apple own it, don't trade it. Duke Energy, Duke's fine. It's neither here nor there. I, I, I'm okay with it as a utility. And Nvidia own it, don't trade it. We got two own it, don't trade it, which makes it difficult because we do. That means we do have a concentration. Two out of five are tech. But I, I, I and I don't want. It's very difficult for me to say sell those stocks because I've said own oh, them, don't trade them. Finance. Um, 
uh, let's call it a mild industrial, all right? A utility and then two tech. Not perfect, okay? But I can't tell someone to sell something when I say own it, don't sell it. I would like to have more stocks, stocks in the portfolio, which would dilute the impact of having so much tech in this portfolio. Mad Money's back in. Coming up, what happened to the ticker symbol UNH? Doing your homework is the best insurance. Kramer does some triage next. At the end of what has been still one more very positive week for the overall market, we need to spend a couple of minutes talking about one corner of the market was truly horrendous. Some of the worst action I've seen in years for a once-loved group, the managed care sector. Sell, sell, sell. The problem for this cohort started on Tuesday night when John Rex, CFO of United Health Group, UNH, long considered to be the leader in the space and a Dow stock, made a presentation at the Goldman Sachs Healthcare Conference and was asked about utilization trends in the second quarter. When you're in the health insurance business, the last thing you want is for people you're insuring to actually need your health care, right? Utilization is real bad for this company. In their ideal world, they want to collect premiums and then not be utilized to do nothing. Out of nowhere, Rex just dropped a total bomb. He said UNH is seeing elevated member activity, especially for the Medicare businesses, with a particular emphasis on expensive outpatient care activity. Rex singled out procedures for hips, knees, and other types of care that are in high demand right now for el- from elderly patients. In other words, United Health is going to have to spend a lot more money on patients' bills than anyone thought going into that meeting. The UNH CFO described this trend as, and I quote, pent-up demand or delayed demand being satisfied, end quote. I describe it as bad. Remember, during the pandemic, all sorts of non-urgent surgeries were delayed because you didn't want to risk going to the hospital and getting COVID. But non-urgent doesn't mean unnecessary, which is why all this stuff is happening now. CEO Tim Knoll explained it like this, quote, as behaviors kind of normalize across the country in a lot of different ways and mask mandates are dropped, especially in physician's offices, we're seeing that more seniors are just more comfortable accessing services for things they might have pushed off a bit like knees and hips, end quote. And look, that makes total sense, right? Probably shouldn't have come as a huge shock. But as a result of all these senior citizens getting much delayed healthcare, UNH now expects that its medical cost ratio will be towards the higher end of the previous full year forecast. Again, in the managed care industry, the medical cost ratio is the amount an insurer pays to cover health care costs divided by the amount they collect in premiums. From UNH's perspective, the lower the medical care cost ratio is, the better. When you hear the numbers headed higher, well, let's just say for the stock. However, I think Wall Street's reaction to the news was, I'm going to say, a little extreme. UNH's stock plunged 6.4% on Wednesday, dragging the entire industry lower. More importantly, Humana, which we own for the Travel Trust, has just been a disaster, and it's been total negative pin action. The stock plummeted more than 11% on Wednesday, then tumbled another 4% today. Brutal. Just absolutely brutal. I said I knew it would be crushed at our morning meeting call that we do at 1020. Did I know it would be this crushed? Hmm, maybe. Why the heck is Humana getting hit harder than UNH when UNH is the one that called out the problem? Well, because they said it was a problem with Medicare Advantage patients, and Humana gets a much larger percentage from people from Medicare-related programs, which represents around 78% of their business. 
Still, we need to find out how much exposure Humana has to this issue. Are they seeing the same trends as UNH? Initially, Humana was very quiet in the immediate uh, aftermath of UNH's comments on Tuesday. They had a full uh, board meeting that day and did not respond to inquiries. But this morning, they finally broke their silence by filing an 8K, it's a public document, where management previewed some of the information they'll be unveiling during a series of investor and analyst meetings over the next couple of weeks. So they're going to be speaking to large-scale investors. So what did we learn from that 8K? Well, first, on a positive note, Humana reaffirmed its full-year adjusted earnings forecast. When I saw that, the first line, I said, yes, maybe Humana's going to be okay. But on the flip side, they also said their medical cost ratio will come in near the high end of their previous guidance. Very bad. Blame it on the same issues that are hurting UNH. So... Company also detailed how it plans to still make its full-year earnings per, per, uh, earnings per share guidance, and they're going to do it through cost cuts, higher-than-expected in- investment income, and other business outperformance. People didn't care, though. Plus, they noted that they, they factored the higher utilization trends into their 2024 Medicare Advantage bids, which were early submi- submitted early uh, last week. Again, people didn't care. In the end, nobody cared that the company reiterated its earnings guides. It was totally ignored. All anyone cared about was what they had to say about that medical cost problem, and that was a bit worse than what we heard from United Health. Umana also talked about their higher utilization at emergency rooms and stronger than anticipated inpatient trends, some of the most expensive health care out there. Just not good, okay? I also think market mechanics come into play. Some investors likely sold the stock in anticipation of some analyst downgrades on Monday. I bet we get them. They wanted to get ahead of them. I don't blame them, as these are highly emotionally charged stocks, and they react viciously to both upgrades and downgrades. Even if the stocks are down already, it will react to a downgrade. So that's what happened to United Health and Humana this week. It's definitely not good. But is it bad enough to justify UNH being down 7% and Humana being down 13%? That I take issue with, which is why we're sticking with Humana for the Chapel Trust. In fact, on Wednesday morning, we actually added a bit to our Humana position in the trust because we felt the stock had fallen too much. With Humana reiterating its full-year earnings forecast this morning and the stock falling from 512 on Tuesday to 445 and change today, it's gone from selling at 18 times earnings to selling at just 16 times earnings. I think UNH can be bought here, too, as it rarely gives you such a terrific entry point. In the end, the current surge in people taking advantage of their health care coverage has got to be temporary. It'll go back to normal once we work through the COVID backlog. That said, I've got another more positive takeaway that I wanted to put to work for the trust, and that is both Humana and UNH are pointing out the senior citizens are getting more health care. So what does that say? It says that you should perhaps invest in a medical device stock. I've been talking about how this for a while uh, is a good theme. Remember last month I recommended InMode, Intuitive Surgical, and J&J, all of which are up nicely since then. I feel even better about this theme now that the health insurers are complaining about it. What's bad for them is certainly good news for the companies they buy product from, the medical devices. So which ones are best? Okay, UNH caught out knees and hips. That's Stryker. We had them when they sound great. Zimmer, Zimmer Biomet, too. Not as good as Stryker, though. At the same time, I still like Intuitive Surgical, ISRG facilitates minimally invasive surgery, like the kind of procedures UNH says it's seeing more of. Even Medtronic works. They picked up a a similar business when they bought Mazor Robotics a few years ago. So let me give you the bottom line. And it's it's one that is, is troubling. While the managed care complex got hit hard this week, and for good reasons, 
I think the Humana has come down too much and represents a bargain. It's now down 13% for the year. Does that mean it can't go lower? It probably will. But this is a high-quality company that's down big. Ideally, we should get some analyst downgrades Monday morning, and that may be the better moment to buy these otherwise very high-quality companies. Plus, these managed care guys are really griping about how they have to spend too much on medical devices, which gives you still one more reason to get a piece of that fabulous bull market in devices. So device stocks, they buy, you buy them right here. Managed care stocks, let them get hit once again, and then you can buy those too. As people realize that the post-COVID surgery boom will eventually run its course. Bad Money is back after the break. Coming up, what's in your mind, Kramerica? Give us a call. The lightning round is storming the NYSE. Next. It is time. It's time. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski deck of the lightning round. Clears it's over. Gary in North Carolina. Gary. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, hey, Gary. I'm calling about Dominion Energy. I bought it a good while back. It's gone down quite a I bit. I have to tell Should you, I, I do think that Dominion Energy with a 5% yield is a little too risky for me. I do not get into utilities to reach for yield. I prefer American Electric Power or I prefer Duke. I think also one oak down here after that acquisition should be good. John in New York. John. Jimbo, John from Melville. Okay, good. I'm going to ask you a favor. Sure, what do you need? Don't take, don't take it out on me that you don't like the fund manager, Ms. Woods. So I want to ask you about a stock I bought before she picked up another 500000 last Friday. I did it before that. Do you okay. know about Okay, her. All right. Well, mine fell. Go ahead. You, pa- you pass. I actually like that. They make automation software. The stock is making a pivot to being profitable from being unprofitable. Once they make the pivot, you know I'm on board. I just don't like companies that lose fortunes. Let's go to Constance, California. Constance. Hi there, Kramer. Hey, Constance. I'm wondering if if this is a good time to buy Rainier. Yes, I like timber, and I like that 3.7% yield. I think you're onto something. The stock is down way too big. It's quality. Let's go to Rich in California. Rich. Hey, Jim. Hey, Rich. I've been in the market. I've been in the market for 35 years, and I believe I found an undiscovered gem. This, by far, is the largest imaging company in the country. Many years ahead in artificial intelligence. Its mammogram AI can detect breast cancer two years earlier than anyone else, and more accurate. As we speak, implementing this AI company-wide. Also has prostate and lung FDA-approved AI that will change the way detection is done. Alzheimer's drug approval next month is a game changer. The new drug can only be done under many scams. That's true. That's Jim, true. If you're, yeah. Jim, if you're excited as me on RadNet, please ask the CEO I have to look. Everything you just told me about it tells me that i got to look at it. I remember it as money, a money-losing company and have not paid enough attention to it, but that's going to change starting on Tuesday. Thank you, sir. How about we go to Scott in Wisconsin? Scott! Hi, Jim. I'm yes. looking for a liquid natural gas company. Okay. Do you think the high yield of Pioneer Natural Resources is something to be concerned about? Okay, PXD is mostly oil, not natural gas. That's one of the reasons why I like it very much for the Channel Trust. It does have a nice yield, and it's got the highest and best, lowest cost, the highest quality oil in the Permian. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. 
The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, what's a Spanakopita have to do with Jay Powell's next move? Kramer gives away the goods. Next. The Fed needs to stop being so broad and opaque. What we need from them is narrow transparency. Otherwise, the animal spirits will kick in again and companies will start going on a Hiram binge, which is the last thing the Fed wants. I don't expect our central bank to notice little things like the, say, the Cava IPO that happened right here, where the restaurant chain stock doubled in value. That kind of thing's not on their radar, but it's on mine. See, we've had a moribund IPO market for a long time. It's not been creating any jobs at all. Plus, of the roughly 600 companies that came public in 2021 via regular IPOs or SPAC, most of them have been burned, or they've had to return the money in the case of the SPACs. Very little job creation from any of these entities. But I think that could change. It changed for the better if you're looking for a job, but change for the worse if you're the Federal Reserve. Here's why. When we get the IPOs flowing and the success of the COVID deal tells me it's going to be coming, it means we're about to see wealth creation back on a grand scale for the first time in years. And when you have massive wealth creation, one thing is for certain, the demand for single family homes goes through the roof. Yet home builders simply aren't building nearly enough homes to sate that demand. They're on target now to build just a pathetic 846,000 homes. We have 340 million people in this country. We built double that number of homes, the admittedly steroidal 2006, but we also had 42 million fewer people at the time. Apartment buildings, that means units of five or more, it's been pathetic. We're putting up about 600,000 units annually. We built that many in 1985 when we had 100 million fewer people, for heaven's sake. Again, we're just not constructing enough single-family homes or apartment buildings to keep prices down, considering the incredible demand that we are seeing and might see in the future. Something like two to as many as seven million homes short in this country. Now, I link that with Kava for one reason, okay? I want you to know that we're about to have a giant wave of money coming from IPOs, because from the Wall Street promotion machine, it's about to heat up at the exact wrong time for the Fed. What should the Fed do now? I think the Fed's got to at least give us some sort of game plan. Maybe that's what Chairman Powell do this week. He has to give us a specific plan to make it so housing will stop going up in price because shelter is the number one source of inflation right now by far. You might argue the economy is cooling rapidly, even though we don't really need to worry about this issue, perhaps. After all, didn't we just hear Kroger, the big supermarket chain, say that food prices are coming down across the board, consumers trading down? I have data that shows that car prices are about to come down and come down hard. There's enough apparel in the channel that I expect prices to come down for that. Oil, gas, lots of things going down. But one area just keeps climbing and climbing relentlessly, all things housing, both rents and home prices. Now, home prices aren't captured by the CPI, but rentals are. And right now, they're actually the crux of the problem. I think the Fed's ultimate plan is to throw enough people out of work, forcing them to stop renting and perhaps move back in with their parents. I mean, that is sorely what happens when unemployment shoots up, but it's a convoluted and frankly heartless way to make housing cheaper. Why is this all so difficult? Simple. The Fed does not control long-term interest rates. The market controls them. And the market still believes we're going to have a recession next year, which is why longer-term rates are so dramatically lower than short rates. Long rates, well, let's say being lower, means mortgage rates aren't as high as they should be. Remember, mortgage rates price up for long rates, which creates too much demand and consequent bidding wars for the few houses that are actually for sale right now. So in other words, the current way the Fed's dealing with the thing, which is to raise short rates, uh, which has actually been pushing long rates lower and hence mortgage rates lower since this fall, it's failing. 
they have become their own worst enemy. And now we're going to start accelerating things on Wall Street with new job creation from new companies. To me, the best thing that they can do is to figure out maybe a strategy where there's more home building and more apartment building. The only way to do that, though, is to stop scaring people who work. Stop scaring the builders because they feel that it's, let's just say, it's too risky to actually build for people they don't know definitely want houses. Yeah, we got a massive shortage of housing in this country, but who the heck would ever build more if they think the Fed wants to crush the whole economy once those homes and apartments are up? Maybe the Fed can figure out a way just to take rate, rates up, mortgage rates up, and nothing else. I don't know how to do that, but it would be the best way to make things happen. Hey, maybe they can warn banks and mortgage brokers that they must raise mortgage rates. I don't know. They can tell home builders they should take advantage of the window. They may have to build more supply, or maybe. Maybe they just raise a quarter point here and then a quarter point there and play for time until these developers get more bullish and start doing some more serious building to meet demand. I think that's probably the best we can hope for right now. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise try to find it just for you right here on Man Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Tuesday from Detroit. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.